show. The no make show. Yeah, uh-huh. Clash momentarily for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs stay fed. Deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion in this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left is best. The saga continues. Continues. The No Miki Show. Hello and welcome to the No Miki Show. I am No Miki Const. And if you thought that we got rid of that toxic idea, America first, when we got rid of Donald Trump, then think again. This poison runs deep in our blood and it has disabled the Biden administration's handling of the COVID-19 crisis. Yes, America first has taken over the Biden administration. Listen to this comment just last week from Ned Price, you know, the State Department spokesman under the Biden administration. Uh, is engaged in an ambitious and effective and so far successful effort uh, to vaccinate uh, the American people. Uh, that campaign is well underway, uh, and we're doing that for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, we have a special responsibility uh, to the American people. Um, Number two, the American people, this country has been hit harder than any other country around the world. Uh, more than 550,000 deaths, tens of millions uh, of, effect, of infections in this country alone. Uh, but there's also a broader point here that I made yesterday that um, it's, of course, not only in our interest uh, to see Americans vaccinated, it's in the interest of the rest of the world uh, to see Americans hmm. uh, vaccinated. Yeah, he actually said, quote, United States first and foremost. That was not the Trump's State Department. That was the Biden State Department uh, just just last week. And let's like let's just slow down and think about what was happening last week when Ned Price said United States first and foremost, the State Department's Ned Price. I just remind everybody, somebody who should be very, very tapped into what's happening globally. The United States had stockpiled a vast oversupply of vaccines, plenty, plenty more than we need to vaccinate every American, including kids and regulators say that is when, when, including kids when regulators say that's OK. So so this means the people who like are refusing to take vaccines and the kids like we have enough to vaccinate people many times over. Our problem, our problem right now is no longer the supply of vaccines. It is the hesitancy of many Americans who take the vaccine, the first and sometimes the second dose. So even if President Biden's job, first and foremost, is to make sure every American gets vaccinated, hoarding vaccines won't make a damn bit of a difference. Yet when the COVID crisis took a frightening turn in India, with the virus spreading out of control and, and, and Indians dying on stretchers and hallways of hospitals. Reminds us of last year, right? What did Joe Biden do? Who's, by the way, been here before because we lived through this last year. The Biden administration, specifically President Biden, did nothing for days. He stuck with his old strategy of America first and foremost. It didn't make any sense, not medically, and definitely not politically. Now I get the political situation. The, Biden fo the Biden's folks are scared that Donald Trump will swoop back in and trash them for every decent thing they do for the rest of the world. Just the way they tried to keep Trump's cap on refugees. I doubt they actually even believe this, but they were afraid to give the Trumpites a way to attack them. Well, you know what? Okay, we cannot triangulate the way around doing the right thing. They did quickly, they, they, they quickly lifted that refugee cap, right? They did do that. That was what the Bidens did. But that was the right thing. Now let's do the right thing on COVID-19. So India needs our help. So does much of the continent of Africa and Brazil. And there are several steps that are quite simple. One, we have plenty of vaccines. Let's start seeing a steady supply to those in need, not just AstraZeneca doses that aren't even approved to use in the United States. We can send Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson's vaccines and still take care of everyone in the United States. Second, the Defense Production Act allows the president to direct supplies in a crisis to where they are needed. It was made it, it has made sense 
to use this in, in this crisis to accelerate vaccine production. But nothing about this crisis prevents the president from sending some of those supplies outside of the United States. He should and he must. And third, and this is this is the biggest lift, the Biden administration should should step in to enable vaccine manufacturing in less wealthy countries. This is the ugliest part of what has gone on during this pandemic. South Africa and India have been pressing hard to make it easier to manufacture more vaccines. They went to the World Trade Organization to ease intellectual property restrictions. The head of the World Health Organization said this was urgent, but the rich countries, including the United States said, no way. I guess you could call this pharmaceutical colonialism. We in the rich world, we just know better. Here is their principal spokesman, Bill Gates, interviewed on Sky News about this subject. There's been some speculation that the changing intellectual property rules um, and, and allowing these vaccines, as you say, the, the, the recipe for these vaccines to be shared would be helpful. And do you think that would be helpful? No. Why not? Well, there's only so many vaccine factories in the world and people are very serious about the safety of vaccines. And so moving something that had never been done, moving a vaccine from, say, a, a J&J factory into a factory in India, that it's novel. It's only because of our grants and our expertise that can happen at all. The, the thing that's holding things back in this case is not intellectual property. There's not like some idle vaccine factory with regulatory approval that makes magically safe vaccines. Uh, you know, you've got to do the trials on these things and every manufacturing <laughs> process has to be looked at in a, in a very uh, careful way. Uh, uh huh. Public health expert, non-doctor, technologist, Bill Gates, who may or may not have a some sort of incentive to disperse these vaccines through his foundation. Who knows? Okay, of course, manufacturing needs to be done safely. But here's the thing about, about Bill Gates. What, what, what's infuriating about this situation, first off, is that we're taking public health advice from Bill Gates. But does Bill Gates really want to believe India and South Africa don't know how to do that? Of course they do because they already do it. They are among the largest manufacturers of all sorts of vaccines and pharmaceuticals. The majority of the pharmaceuticals that you receive come from India. Are you kidding me? This is not about safety. It is about monopoly capitalism. So no surprise, Bill Gates believes in monopoly capitalism. But again, we need to do the right thing. Lives depend on it. And frankly, the lives in the rich world, if you wanna incentivize these rich capitalists, their lives depend on it. The whole world needs to be vaccinated. Are we still having this conversation? And Joe Biden has the power. He has the actual power to tell everyone that the right thing is to make it easier for everyone to make more vaccines. Now, that is what has to happen. We cannot end this global pandemic unless every single country, poor, rich, nemeses or not, have the ability to produce and disperse vaccines, but especially to disperse those vaccines. This is an absolutely ridiculous argument that we are making at this point. It is beyond apartheid, it is colonialism, and it's not even just colonialism because it has an effect on everybody, even in the rich countries. What good is it when all of us are vaccinated and there are some countries that are having the breakdown of 60% of, 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 of those tested in, in India right now, of those tested, are testing positive. That is where we were in New York City a year ago today. This cannot happen at this stage of the pandemic. And just because the politics, you know, there are geopolitical situations happening does not mean that we suspend humanitarianism, especially, especially if it has global consequences. All right, speaking of global consequences, we have a great show today. Uh, we are going to have Tassos Morphis on from Greece. I don't know, what time, what time is it? It must be late in Greece right now. Uh, but Tassos is going to come on to talk about the fascistic tendencies that are taking place in Greece right now, uh, my home country. But no, it's, it's fascinating. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we went from a leftist government in Greece to a right-wing government, and this is what you get. So we'll be talking about what's happening right now in Greece. And then later we have Jordan Zacharin on and Natalie Shore to talk about some pandemic politics, some mask politics, and a whole other set of politics that are happening today. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. All right, uh, we are not the only disaster <laughs> when it comes to political situations and police state. Of course not. That's that's the theme of the show. Uh, over the last several months during COVID, um, Greece is not exclusive to this, but uh, many spots, hot spots around the world, we have had situations in which. Uh, there is police that is cracking down on citizens uh, in the name of of COVID policing, I think is the best way of saying it. Tassos Morphes is the editor, co-founder and president of the steering committee at Athens Live. Athens, of course, being from Athens, Greece. Uh, he is a reporter. It's, an, it's a nonprofit on the ground source for stories from Athens and throughout Greece. Uh, he has worked as a reporter in Greek media and as a news pro producer for Fos Fotos and uh, for media, including uh, Channel 4, CNN International, among many others. And uh, here's to talk. he's here to talk about what's going on in Greece and why this is significant. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little biased, but I do think it's important given that uh, just a year ago, no, two years ago, two years ago, man, I, like time goes by so fast. Uh, Greece had a, a, a leftist coalition government and then like that kind of fell apart. <laughs> and now you have a uh, what was what was deemed as a right centrist government that's turning out to be not so centrist. Shocker. <laughs> All right, Tassos, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. I know it's very late in Greece, so um, grateful to you. Well, it's like dinner. What am I talking about? It's dinner time. You're about to like, I don't know if you're under lockdown, but it's dinner time in Greece. It's slightly later than dinner time. Uh, it's it's 10, uh, 30 p.m. Uh, but now in lockdown, hours and uh, time during the day have probably lost its meaning. So anyone does whatever they want. And I mean, we've been in lockdown since. I'm sorry, um, anyone does September. whatever they want? That's very normal. <laughs> I mean, Who are you talking home, to? If you're at home, if you're at home <laughs> then you yeah. probably... I, so many of my friends have started uh, uh, filming themselves at home, playing the guitar, and I, I see them on my Facebook feed. And I'm like, wait, this person would never post something like this on Facebook. <laughs> so this is what isolation does, does to people. Um, so, I'm doing so, some shameless, some shameless promo of my documentary. It's up there. It's going to be screening at uh, a southeastern um, Europe film festival in LA. So if if you are a US resident, uh, you can watch the documentary. It's called Tide, and it depicts the story of sailors of one of Greece's major uh, shipping companies, how it went bankrupt, and it depicts uh, how Greece also went bankrupt through their struggle. So give it a shot. I have to pause just for one second, Tasso. I, I apologize, but we're yep. having some sound issues with you. Is it possible maybe, to change uh, your headset? Maybe I could turn, on my, turn off my headphones. Yeah, we're going to take a quick little break just because it's it's very echoey, so Is we might have to go to regular now? sound. Let's give it, Let's take one little break real quick. We're just going to go pause to everybody. Apologies, everybody. Is it better? 100% better. We don't even need the break. All right. We'll do it in uh, post. <laughs> we'll do it in post. Okay. So you have this documentary. It's about um, a shipping company. And of course, for those who are not familiar, shipping is <laughs> it's big business in Greece. <laughs> Very big business. What, what's, what's really funny is that, I mean, it's not funny. It's really, really tragic and really sad. But the same thing, ship owners leaving the sailors in the vessels without caring for them, without paying them, and leaving, their, leaving them there stranded, uh, basically abandoned. Um, it's happening again now in a vessel that's somewhere in Asia, uh, and they're Greek, uh, actually it's an international group that involves Greek sailors that are trapped in the vessel and the ship owner doesn't do anything. So it's kind of, uh, we see this happening again and again and again over time. And um, basically we made a documentary uh, so someone from abroad can have a great, uh, the great picture of what happened. But it's very sad to see that this keeps happening uh, again and again. I mean, okay, so so that actually ties into the government now. So before before we get to the the current state of 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 Greece and the Mitsotakis government, um, can you do a very brief refresher of the economic crisis? <laughs> I I know it's not a a brief subject, but just to give people a sense of of um, the state of of Greece, uh, post-economic crisis, 
you know, and, and I say this because, you know, you started off by saying everyone's like losing their minds in lockdown, but this is after a decade of tremendous stress and a generation or two now um, who have been deeply impacted by an economic crisis that has left very few options. And, and you say staying at home, um, that's a, you know, that, that, that was existing before. People have to live with their parents and, and now you're doing it in COVID. <laughs> like, how does that play out when there are no bars open? So can you give us a little bit of a, a, a so cultural when this, assessment? When, when, this, when this whole thing started, uh, we, were, we were kind of um, taking it as a joke because uh, we've been through a lot. And, um, and, and people were saying, I mean, we stayed at home for, we, we, we lived with barely nothing uh, for the last decade. Uh, a stupid virus won't, won't, make us, uh, uh, won't make us suffer. Um, and this is why everyone was very, very supportive to the government and they were very cautious in their interactions and they were supporting what the Committee of Epidemiologists um, were, were, were announcing in the news every, every night. And um, generally there was a feeling that, you know, we went through the crisis, we can, this is going to be a piece of cake for us. And this is exactly what, um, what, 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 what gave the government a chance uh, this unity gave the government the chance to start literally a blitzkrieg, and I'm using this term because we're not talking about a neoliberal, we're not talking about a right-wing government, a centrist, Harvard-educated government. We're talking a government that 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 uh, brings back the worst of British political history, and we're talking about a neoliberal formation that has been has been sucking taxpayer money. For the last for the last year, I mean everything. Most of the most of the most of the um, the COVID handling has been a major failure, and you, you can see this uh, simply by by um, reading what the epidemiologists said when this whole thing started and what they say now. Uh, I mean. So, so so what is uh, example of that? Because I I remember a year ago. Uh, today, there were zero cases in Greece. And of course, Italy was uh, the epicenter of the world and maybe a little bit earlier. And and people said, how, how is it that Switzerland and Italy and France and Spain are doing so poorly? But what is it about Greece? Why? And and they were, you know, assessing cultural dynamics. I mean, there were so many different assessments of, of what was happening. So why was it that in April of 2020, Greece had zero cases? <laughs> Italy had all the cases <laughs> and and now uh, you know a year later it's not like it's an epicenter but there's 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 extraordinary fascistic uh, you know crackdown it's 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 definitely a class issue I mean uh, rich people brought COVID into Greece and then because we needed tourism um, to support our national business plan we opened the gates to um, to literally anyone without getting tested, um, without get, taking any precautionary measures. So after September, um, cases spiked. Um, and the things that after September, uh, we went again on very, very strict lockdown. I mean, we're the only country in the EU where you need to text the authorities. Uh, before you go out, and it's and it's not a it's not a it's not a text message system that surveys you, but it's a text it's a text message system where you need to text, and if you're caught by the cops, you need to prove that you're aware that you went out and you're basically taking responsibility of your own action. So it's not about surveillance. Let me, let me pause one second. When you say go out, what do you mean by going out? Like leaving your home, going for dinner, going for drinks, also. This is a great culture, so people like to break the rules a little bit. Living your living living your living your living your home. Um, literally, you have six you have six types of messages. From one, you text you text your address and your name and numbers from one to six. Uh, meaning, if you want to go to the church, if you want to go buy groceries, if you want to run errands, if you want to go uh, just for a walk, um, if you want a dog walk and support support the elderly or someone that is in is in need of of, of help um 
And yeah, we've been we've been we've been we've been under this regime for uh, for seven months now, and it's it, and it's um, quite shocking to to realize that since since uh, late March, when charter flights from Europe um, started arriving in Greece, tourists could go wherever they want, while Greeks need to be at home at nine at nine p.m. Uh, and they need to text before they go out. So this is kind of this is kind of crazy. Uh, and in fact, if you take a look at all the political data, um, meaning the facts uh, about what's happening in Greece for the last year, you, go, you, you can you can definitely see that the, the situation is deteriorating day by day. Um, what's uh, what's 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 worse is that uh, COVID has been instrumentalized in the worst way possibly, uh, not only to um, absorb state resources by the government and create a corruption system, actually enhance the already existing uh, corruption system, but to uh, create some new um, some new uh, communities within this uh, corruption system that will support the existing government and will uh, give it a future. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you take if you also take a look at what's being discussed among political scientists, you'll see that because there is no opposition, there is no strong opposition. They're going to be ruling for the next for the next uh, decades, and uh, this is exactly what they're planning right now. Really? Okay. So, so let's let's go back like a little bit of time. You have the economic crisis, right? That that takes place, and um, this leftist government, a coalition government, center left, leftist plus left, uh, Syriza, a, a new party forms, and. Uh, has to undertake this economic crisis. It's 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 you know negotiating with Germany. I mean, I, I would rather have you explain it. But um, they got voted out two years ago. Was mm-hmm. two years ago now in the in the EU? Oh, yeah, and yeah. then yeah. So this Mitsotakis, there's a right wing rebound after this um, because people did not feel like enough had changed. Is is there any sort of public? sentiment that okay maybe we should have given i mean is, is is a regret is there an understanding of of how austerity is not the solution i mean what i didn't understand about this whole whole problem with with Syriza was they didn't do enough but then the answer was to go with austerity <laughs> to go with privatization to go with i mean this happens globally but you're seeing it with with covid lay out so aggressively in a way that I don't think people probably would have expected with Mitsotakis. They probably thought he was like a George W. Bush, which is by no means good, but but yeah. no Trumpian person. But this is exactly why I used the term Blitzkrieg earlier. Uh, I, I use it on purpose because it's 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 not that it's not that the government um, is under pressure, is under an, an, under an emergency, and needs to act fast. So they are passing legislation, they're, they're handing out taxpayer money to their friends or they're doing stuff. So we are safe and everything where and fine, everything functions. Um, it's a strategy where you where you do your best in order to, to enforce your own uh, people, your own tactics, your own mentality into governance and into the state. And um, this is much easier when you have no opposition. So let me go back. Let me go back to 2010 when the, this whole thing, when the whole thing uh, starts. It's a bit, a bit uh, shortly after the housing crisis in the U.S. So in some way, our banks are being impacted by international funds, and the whole thing collapses. Uh, we're going through um, some very, very difficult years uh, with extreme austerity, uh, and people are so fed up. The political, the traditional political system um, is failing. And Syriza, this, um, this 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 radical left party of the 3.5 percent, is rising just because they promise um, solidarity. They promise um, benefits for for. For the for the masses, 
uh, and uh, they're trying to work out some sort of a socialist program in order to make things work. They don't promise any radical left things. They don't promise any uh, revolutionary fiscal reforms. They just promise a very mild uh, social democratic fiscal program um, with some social aspects in order to get this whole thing balanced and um, help society and state um, move forward. Uh, but the thing is that they might have taken they might have taken the government, but they haven't taken power. So um, there is a very unique phenomenon. And, and when you say that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, just for our, our audience that's outside of Greece, when you say taken power but didn't take the government, you mean they did not take uh, the, the parliament? They took. They took the parliament. They took but the parliament. They didn't take the state. Got it. Okay. So while they had the majority, uh, while the, they formed the majority government within the parliament, they were never able to infiltrate uh, the state mechanisms. And even though they had four years um, to, to deploy all their, all, their, all their strategy and deploy uh, all their ideas and turn them actually into action, uh, they stayed in this action uh, and they pretty much didn't do anything. What they did, uh, their big, the big reforms uh, were that they solved this issue with Macedonia. It's a very nationalist issue. It's a very, it's very, um, no one outside of Greeks and Macedonians will ever get this. It's about the name of Northern Macedonia. So Greece actually wants to uh, somehow be responsible for the name of a neighboring country, which is pretty much insane. Um, but anyway, it is a solve this. And there's a, there's a Trumpian kind of aspect to this, meaning there is a right-wing populist kind of response to this decision. Some say uh, that they- Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. But let me come to this, let me come to yes, this after that. And the second, and the second um, big reform that they, that they did is that uh, for, the first, for the first time, we saw um, benefits for, for, for the lower classes and we saw, we saw reforms that would actually benefit those in need. Um, and this is, exactly the, this is exactly the reason why they were accused that they were killing middle class. One of the main arguments of uh, the opposition was that they were killing middle class. And because the main pool of voters is middle class, they were using this argument in order to create um, this very Greek thing. And this is exactly the point I want to make. Uh, they, were, they, they created this very, this very Greek phenomenon of the anti-Syriza coalition, meaning traditional socialists, um, uh, the right, the far right, neo-Nazis, everyone worked against uh, Syriza, and this was depicted in the media. You have literally, actually in Greece right now, we have literally no digital media supporting uh, Syriza, and we have only two newspapers, one investigative weekly called Documento, and another daily uh, called the Ephemerda Sudakton, which is the, the editor's uh, daily, um, which are excluded from state funding, which are um, being accused of supporting Syriza, while everyone else is supporting new democracy. Um, and democracy is the is the conservative um, the government. Yes. And but there but there's also I mean, this is no surprise to anybody who uh, in American politics or, or otherwise, the, 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 the media in, in Greece, just like everywhere else around the world, there's a direct tie between the new democracy party, the conservative party. Is it doesn't Mitsotakis have a hand in some of these spaces like his friends and his allies own them? So how this is done is by simply how advertising is being distributed. Um, the government uh, is controlling funds and it's controlling how banks are distributing advertising to the media. And this is exactly how they are, uh, they're making their line hurt uh, in the newsrooms. Um, what, is, what, is, what, is, what is very interesting is that Syriza um, tried to, 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 to create their own media um, when they were in power, but they failed miserably uh, just because they tried to do it the old-fashioned way. 
They tried to, to create mainstream media in a way that new democracy was uh, was um, was always uh, was always uh, trying, and um, uh, their own voters don't like mainstream media, traditional media. So that was a very that, let me let me put it um, kindly. That was a that was an idea that just like didn't work, and, and now a new democracy is coming after them. Uh, with the parliamentary committee that's investigating this action by a former minister. So from the point they were uh, trying to do something that would benefit, according to their opinion, uh, the Greek public, now they are under uh, scrutiny exactly for this uh, for these actions. Uh, and if, for example, uh, there is no uh, investigative journalism fund uh, that's supported by the, by, by the state, taxpayer money, um, and um, yeah, but I, I won't go. I, I won't go into 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 how this thing has worked over time. Um, I'll I'll stick to I'll stick to the anti-Syriza phenomenon, which is pretty pretty interesting because it derives from Trumpism. So there are there are, there are, there are blatant connections between um, Trump officials and Trump uh, consultants. Uh, uh, with New Democracy, uh, Steve Bannon was was touring in Europe. Um, some, I think it was last year or or in two thousand nine. He, he had the, uh, the 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 monastery that he was using in Italy yes. um, during the EU elections, and his goal was to uh, recruit and train. For folks who are not aware, he wanted in Italy uh, to recruit and train people to to run on the far right to take over the EU. He failed, but he planted the seeds and, and then he was also pushed out of Italy. Uh, but he planted this the seeds and it's it's sprung up, you know, globally unfortunately. And this connection, this connection is kind of obvious nowadays. Uh, when we when in retrospective see all the actions that that took place um, because they've been using exactly the same rhetoric. They've been giving a ton of money into digital media. If you take a Google, if you take a look at Google's transparency report, New Democracy, the Conservative Party, is the second party in digital spend in Europe, which is insane. It is insane given the amount of the more money um, they owe to the banks because New Democracy as a party is in debt. Um, so, and also another and another thing is that many of their minister, ministers. They have publicly supported Trump, especially um, uh, one figure called Adams, which is the development, who is the development minister. He was always supporting Trump uh, when he was speaking during the time of the American elections, and he was happy about being a Trump supporter. Um, another thing that is um, very interesting is that uh, for quite a while now, Facebook has been censoring political posts in Greece. And uh, you know, this is this isn't this isn't this isn't an algorithmic function or this isn't this isn't something that's happening auto- automatically. There's direct uh, I believe that there is a direct uh, line between uh, the outsourced um, moderators and the Greek government. So yeah, the, while in uh, international uh, press the Greek government is is is, is basically portrayed as um, technocrats, liberal technocrats, who have been uh, studying in the U.S. and they have been getting scholarships. And I mean, so did Assad, but like... <laughs> it's exactly... Do, exactly do you want to play that game? I mean, come on, let's go through the list. It's exactly the opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what, we've been, what we've been basically experiencing for quite a while now, uh, it's what people call on social media, we are the Colombia of Europe. Meaning, yeah. press freedom dies. Journalists are being shot and killed. Um, any any kind of uh, demos and strikes are being suppressed, uh, heavily suppressed, and um, brutally suppressed. Um, and um, while the Greek government had plenty of time and had many donors who wanted to contribute to supporting. Um, the national healthcare system, which is a very robust, it has some, it has, it has, it has many, many weak points, but it's a very, generally, it's a very robust 
uh, healthcare system. It's in the Greek NHS, if I can compare it. And it was just enhanced with Syriza. That was a big part yeah, of their exactly, campaign. Exactly. Uh, they, they didn't do what was needed in order to create ICD beds, in order to, to hire more doctors, in order to get better, better equipment and um, uh, or just uh, give some bonuses to the hardworking doctors who are in the front line. So yeah, after one year, after one year, I don't see, I don't see um, mishandlings, but I, I see a Trumpian, um, a, a Trumpian strategy that's being deployed, and basically it's lethal. So we only have like a couple minutes left, very few minutes left. But I'm. It's interesting you say Colombia because I always say Greece is like the Puerto Rico of 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 Europe. And people, I get in fights with people in the U.S. all the time. They're like, "Oh, but Europeans." I'm like, "Oh God, you need to understand Europe. There's Northern Europe and there's Southern Europe, and it is a very <laughs> divided <laughs> understanding." But for folks who maybe have never been to Greece, um, one piece of information that I find very similar to Puerto Rico is. Uh, how educated everybody is. You have a generation, you know, millennials and younger, highest educated uh, per capita in Europe, right? And yet completely um, drowning in debt, uh, living at home with their parents and parents receive um, subsidies, just in basic terms, subsidies for 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 food sometimes and, and the kids will stay home with their because they can, and then they go out and drink, and they, they, you know, well, when it's not COVID, there's, there's, um, we figured it out over the last ten years in a very difficult way, but um, mounting debt, mounting, mounting, uh, the, the crisis is is like present. It's not in the future anymore. This is a generation that um, is forty and below, and is stifled and stuck. And uh, Syriza was was supposed to deliver some results. And now you have Mitsotakis, who you just said, you know, the, the right wing government might be in power for 10 years. So if you're a 40 year old who's lived through the last decade, who's probably been living at home with parents, most likely, statistically, um, may or may not be married and have children, uh, even if they do. 10 more years of this, that's that's a crushed state. So I know we only have a couple of minutes, but how can the Mitsotakis government in their right minds Seriously, think that this is a smart strategy, even for the worst capitalists. I mean, we're not in wartime. This is not my yeah, my grandparents' generation anymore. These are, you know, they're older than our grandparents were when they were in wartime, and then war ended. It didn't get much better, but it got a little bit better, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah, a civil yeah. war after World War II. Yeah. It just, you know, kept going. But... But there was something, and I, I, what I can't understand is why. What is what is what is Germany? What are what are the banks so obsessed with that they have to keep the, the an entire generation of people who are likely to be under fifty in ten years completely in survival mode? And and just to add to it, what does the average person make per month in Greece right now? Do you know this off the top of your head? Because when I heard this number, eight hundred, eight hundred to one thousand euros per month. While rent is 500, 600. So it's pretty much unsurvivable. But let me tell you something. If you take a look at the, I don't know how much time we, 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 we still left, but if you take a look at the electoral data, you'll see that um, statistically, uh, Greeks have been voting non conservative parties. So uh, progressives, they get something about 55%, while conservatives, they get something about 45%, which is a pretty pretty big average. There's 10 points. Um, and uh, you, get, you have a, a generation that has been working endlessly, and they didn't have time to go vote whenever they had a chance to vote. So um, in one hand, there is a spectacle in capitalism that made them uh, despise conservatism, but do not embrace any progressive ideologies. And the other thing is that uh, Syriza proved a good solution for our parents, but it doesn't. It, it, it is not proving a good solution for for us, like millennials and uh, and uh, the people between thirty and forty. So the only solution to that is is is, is something that will cover this generational um, spectrum. And it's going to be it's going to be radical. And it's going to and people and, and people are going to be able to identify with um, 
uh, and uh, yeah, they're going to be the conservatives are going to be ruling just because there is no answer. There is no answer. There is no political formation that is able to give any uh, viable answer to what's happening right now in Greece. And um, yeah, the left has been has been pretty boring, super boring. Um, so. it's, it, it seems like there's going to be a radical response to this. There's no other way. If you've had if you've had moderate left Obama era, a little bit more progressive, but it's you know ruined. Obama, it's ruined. It's, ruined. It, it's going it's ruined. to. It's, it has to. There's no other. There's no other yes. option. I feel like it's brewing. There's a, the, the former um, uh, finance minister against Varoufakis who uh, has launched a party called Mera Kospede DM25, and it's going pretty pretty well. Um, it's basically a content production machine, and this is exactly uh, what, how a good strategy to attract young people looks like. Um, and there are now formations within the radical left uh, around unity and around new ideas and how we can overcome all this traditional leftist uh, communist party communist fights <laughs> i knew you were gonna say yeah, that exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, so old men of the communist brewing. party <laughs> things are brewing yes and we, we remain hopeful i mean today is a day uh where when the gramsci died oh it is you're right yes yeah, and he's been you know, he's been he's been a, a great a great fan of moderate moderate pessimism, uh, optimism yeah. pessimism. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's keep being uh, moderately optimists. I approve. Tassos Morphis, please come back on. Would love to. I could talk with you for two Anytime. hours. If I Anytime. To. Thanks a lot for having hey, me. Hey, I might be if 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 I have my vaccine. I was just approved, and I have. A, I'm telling way too much to the public, but I have a free flight to Greece that I was supposed to take last year. Because I like one of those situations where they're like, "Was anybody willing to stay an extra day in Greece and get a free round trip flight?" I was like, "Yes." So I have one, and then I was supposed to use it last year, and I can use it this year. So I'm 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 now that I'm vaccinated and they're letting Absolutely. me on the plane, I'm going to be one of your problematic Greek Americans that show up <laughs> with their whole family. So we should at least meet up in person. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're waiting for you. We're going to be here stuck in lockdown. So still, you'll be in lockdown and I'll be screaming from the bar across the street. <laughs> I mean, probably we're going to get, we're going to get allowed to go out only if there's a tourist that invite us. Uh, of course, your Greek American families are going to be like, yeah, exactly. All right. That's was Morpheus. Thank you so much. Go check out Athens Live. Um, you have a great newsletter, fantastic newsletter that comes out regularly, um, briefs you on, on what's happening in Athens. Really great independent publication. Um, hope to have you on again very soon. And thank you for the, the comprehensive update. Stay safe. Thank go get you. some fresh air. Go Bye. sign up. Go take your dog for a walk and get some fresh air. Bye. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna do a quick ad because this is really important and uh, I'm going over time and I'm getting, <laughs> I'm feeling the pressure. All right, so you guys know, as, 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 as we always talk about it, Sunset Lake CBD is our favorite product. Um, I have, I'm gonna show you my little stopwatch. So this is my steps watch, but it is also my sleep watch. It's the only reason I put these things on me. I don't let them take pictures. I don't let them do voice recording or pretty much anything else except for take my steps in my sleep because the sleep in particular is a problem. Last night I had four hours and 20 minutes of sleep. Uh, yes, that is true because I did not put my CBD in my water. Every night before I go to sleep, I put CBD in my water and I have a full night's sleep, but I was watching a Netflix show and I couldn't stop watching it. And the next thing I knew it was three o'clock in the morning and there you go. Uh, Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer owned company that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm in Vermont that used to be a Ben and Jerry's farm and turned into a hemp farm. Yes, a premium hemp farm. They ship them from their farm to your door. Uh, they are supporting independent uh, media, which is incredible like aspect of, of, of a, a small business. They pay their minimum wage at $15 an hour and the employees own the majority of their company. That's crazy. They're progressive. They support shows like the Nomi Key Show, The Majority Report, and The David Pakman Show, as you know. Uh, they also have a new product out right now, CBD Dog bis Biscuits. It has three simple ingredients, and I just heard that Sam Cedar actually ate them. I don't know why you would do that, but 
Okay, fine. It has peanut butter, pumpkin, and oat flour, and CBD, of course, for your dog. And for those of you who watch the show regularly, you know that my dog is a little neurotic. And COVID, being home with family 24-7 was amazing. And then when we started to go out and do things, he started losing his mind and biting his tail raw. So he had been living with a cone around his head for four and a half months or so. And we kept taking the cone off, giving him a little CBD, trying to calm him down. He's finally coneless. So this is a really great product, huge progress. And this is why we would give him these treats because it's the only thing that'll entice him to take CBD. It's a great project product. We completely support it. Dorsey's supportive of it. Um, I know we're running low on time, but I know that he loves uh, taking the gummies. It helps him sleep. Uh, I love the gummies. I'm trying to cut back on sugar. Love Sunset Lake CBD. Go check it out. I truly mean this. I'm not lying. People ask me all the time. I have the products. I use them. It's definitely amazing. And they cut back on my migraines on top of it. You can use promo uh, the promo code NOMI, N-O-M-I, for 20% off of your entire order. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com. 20% off of your entire order, sunsetlakecbd.com. And Dorsey also loves the coffee. He talks about it all the time. Go check it out. 20% off. And our panel is here. Jordan Zacharin. Uh, Jordan Zacharin is now... Jordan, what is your official title? I don't have, I don't have your new title in here. But... Uh, you've got a new, new guy, thing. The new guy. The new guy. Yeah. The new guy in town. What's your new guy role? Uh, what's that? What's your new guy role? What's your official title? I so think it's I producer. Have... I'm not sure. Producer, maybe. That's why we don't have it. Producer yeah. what? Uh, just producer. Uh, media producer guy. Oh, just media. Okay. Yeah. Media, media producer guy, former yeah. founder of Progressive's, founder, not former, of Progressive yeah. Everywhere newsletter. You're still doing that? Yes. Perfect. And I'm sleep. Just, all the things. This yeah. is what it means to be a millennial is just do all the jobs at once and maybe it all comes together and you pay your bills. If po- yeah, if possible. If possible. We all yeah. get it. Natalie Short, is, she is, she's causing a stir right now. She's, she's, she's lots of controversy with Natalie Short having her on today. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she is a writer um, of, around health, history, and politics. You've seen her in The Nation, The Atlantic, BuzzFeed, In These Times, Slate, Jackman, and of course, Adam Maroon's ever, Everything. Uh, she was previously over there. And you had this piece in The Atlantic about wearing masks. And then it's like Joe Biden read it. And he was like, I speak Natalie Shore. So now every time I want Joe Biden to do something, I'm going to lobby you. You are the person. Yeah, well, today I wrote a column. It's, it's for the New Republic. Today's column was about how Democrats should expand Medicare. So knock on wood. Let's hope that uh, the new directive is about two weeks behind on that one, too. Just, just from now on, just say, like, dear Ron Klein. Yeah. Please read my article. CC all these. Here are the talking points below. And if anybody else wants to share it, go for it. XO Natalie, right back soon. <laughs> all right, I, it, we're going to get to some other talking um, topics, but I do want to touch on this this piece that you did have impact on. And I, I'm going to say I love you. I I didn't agree with it entirely, uh, but but not because I didn't agree with the science of it. You of course wrote this piece about like okay, we don't have to wear masks out in public out, outside anymore. What what was the science behind that? The rationale. I mean, I I think that pretty consistently for a year, uh, over a year now, the peer-reviewed research has been pretty clear that outdoor transmission is overwhelmingly rare. Uh, The times when it does seem likely to have happened generally seem like they were, you know, very crowded gathering situations or two people uh, commuting very close together over a long period of time, uh, which, of course, is very different than just walking down the street, hanging out in a park uh, and those situations. We really don't have any evidence at all that many, if any, cases have ever been transmitted that way. Uh, and so I think that it's it's time to stop wearing masks outdoors all the time, which isn't something that happens in every city, but it is something that happens in Boston and New York, as far as I understand, and uh, a lot of other pretty dense cities where people really are wearing masks fairly universally or were until people started kind of, uh, you know, relitigating the issue this week. So I... I absolutely agree with you on the premise. I mean, in April of last year, I was sharing links with my parents about like, you don't have, you can go outside and eat. Like I was trying to convince them because I'd watched these, these, these explainer videos about how the, the virus had spread. With that being said, those are for people who believe in science and who can be, you know, science is something reasonable. They're also probably likely the people who are gonna get the vaccine if they can get it. I think my, my perspective on this that's, that's, 
confusing is it's not so much of a public policy perspective, but a public messaging perspective. So how much of what Dr. Fauci says or the Biden administration says, the CDC says, or or so many of these um, epidemiologists say is really just to convince the people who may be on the fence about science to just keep your effing masks on. If you see people outside wearing the masks, it's just gonna force them to wear the masks if they're not gonna take the vaccine or otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there has been a lot of, you know, politically fraught issues in the pandemic and messaging has certainly been one of them. Uh, but whether or not someone believes in science and whether or not someone wants to show solidarity with other people has no bearing on the science of outdoor transmission. You know, it's it's not as if if I want to show how seriously I take the coronavirus and I want to support other people who are nervous, um, you know, whether or not I wear my mask outside has no bearing on uh, how at risk a person actually is, as demonstrated by a year of peer-reviewed research. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people did push back and said, you know, these are these are a symbol. It's important to show that we are still in the middle of a pandemic, that we're taking it seriously. And I understand all those things, but I don't think masks are a symbol. They're a public health tool. Uh, they're a public health tool that are valuable in specific certain contexts, indoors especially, I think that, you know, we'll be wearing them for at least several more months indoors. And I think that that's important. And I absolutely agree with that directive. I think outdoors, we don't necessarily have to channel that message 100% of the time. And, you know, showing showing what team you're on in terms of the coronavirus isn't going to reduce transmission uh, if you're just incidentally walking by somebody. I also love how, like, in New York, like, masks outside, but let's do indoor dining in December. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Jordan, do you have thoughts on this? or? or... I, I just want to be clear. I, I'm not team coronavirus. Um, but, pro, um, pro or anti-coronavirus? I, I, I'm anti-coronavirus. I just thought okay, it was a funny way to say it. But, um, you would be allowed on the that, show. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Here, here in New York, um, I would say, yeah, a lot of people are wearing masks. But yesterday went out. It was as if, like, everyone read the news, right? Saw the news about the mask mandate. And, like, masks came off and everyone was just smoking weed. And because <laughs> now that's legal here, too. And it was very strange. Uh, to be like, where, where am I? Uh, I was fine with it, but it was like, I've been inside for 14 months and now people are just like, no one's sick and everyone's smoking weed. It was very strange. Um, Sounds the awesome. thing for me is like, yeah, uh, it was fancy the thing for me is being just being in New York. I don't know if I'm walking out the sidewalk and there's like a crowded sidewalk, do I wear it or not? I think that's for me, I've been trying to keep it safe because people are somewhat close. You know, if I'm sitting in the park or somewhere like if I was to be on a boat for some reason, uh, I guess I wouldn't wear it, but um, I'm not going to be on a boat. <laughs> But I think that's that's kind of my it's uh, my confusion, and I guess I have to do some of the reading there. But uh, if science says we don't need to wear them, I I hate wearing them. I wear them because I have to, so I'm happy to not. Um, but yeah, just being in New York, I need to kind of figure out what is that. Is there like a middle ground there? Also, are you vaccinated? I am. Yes, I, as a courtesy to others more than anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also recognize, and I without going, we could talk about this all day long. This is like like now we're into like COVID therapy session. <laughs> I recently had an interaction with someone who was like, I'm fully vaccinated. And they were wearing their mask. I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm in a two person situation with them. And I'm like, you don't have to, I'm fully vaccinated. You're not giving it to me and I'm not giving it to you. I don't think people understand how vaccines work. <laughs> yeah, I think Bottom everyone's line. very cautious. People are just like very, very cautious and spend like I'm a just year an anti-vaxxer, just a side note. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's different. But I, I think people are just very cautious and they don't want to seem like, you know, we spent like a year calling everyone, uh, understandably calling everyone that won't wear them or refuse to wear them kind of like a jerk. And so I guess better safer than, you know, to be considered than not. But I'm sure in the next few weeks, when it gets, as it gets hotter and hotter, people will be like, well, I don't need this thing. So I feel like we are here in, um, uh, in a rational zone, right, of YouTube. It's, it's, it's a 0.1% uh, part of the, the rational zone of YouTube where we're having real conversations. But simultaneously, there are people like the, um, the person who has the largest uh, podcast in the world right now, um, a man named Joseph Rogan. Uh, you might know him from his, from his physical shows that he used to do. I don't even know what they were. They were like obstacle course shows. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like he used to do all these stupid reality shows that were- Fear Factor. Yeah, 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 that yeah. one, that one. Yeah, like you'd eat like lizards and then like do an obstacle course and then like take some steroids and be like, I'm a man. That's his, that's his shtick in my mind. Um, so he went a little viral yesterday, um, given that he's the most popular podcast host in the world. Uh, 
because of his takes on 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 the vaccines and like who should take the vaccine why they should take kids like kids don't need them kids don't they, nothing happens with kids they don't transmit you know covid well dr fauci responded um and i think dr fauci was listening to me because yesterday i was like someone political has to respond and the biden administration or somebody needs to make this a political issue so that spotify is like joe you read a book so let's play this clip so you have to put a little bit of societal responsibility in your choices and that's why i disagree with mr rogan under that under that circumstance okay it was very simple but let's take this into a media conversation for a second because we are dealing with uh, a media space right now that is bloated on the right um we've talked about this many times on our show that there is uh disinformation spread whether intentionally or not um there is a there's an issue where anti-intellectualism is being spread and of course that has a, a very serious impact natalie um it's been interesting to watch this rise of the far right weird i'm not saying joe reagan's far, far right but he's like f dancing with it um seeing this rise up and seeing how how folks storm the capitol during a pandemic while we're dealing with like very harsh like like scientific truths um which plays into your the conversation we had before i mean what is your take on on how we like move forward on this i mean this is it, our next pandemic our next you know health crisis which is bound to happen yeah i mean i i think that uh, it, it's very frustrating to watch um i don't know how inevitable it was because i've never lived through a pandemic of this scale and nor have too many people who are able to discuss this now uh we might have a few survivors i guess we're probably out of survivors of the 1918 flu epidemic you can really remember it and speak to that uh so you know we're all we're all kind of going through this for a first time i will say I think that Donald Trump uh, as a president, and I'll say parenthetically, I always push back against arguments that insist that Trump is, you know, this anomaly in the Republican Party, that he's completely unprecedented. I think, you know, actually he is the ultimate Republican in a lot of ways and was the logical endpoint of the last several decades of the Republican Party. But I will say, I do think that with coronavirus in particular, he was a uniquely abysmal uh, person at the helm. And I think that a big part of that is that a large part of uh, how you'd want leadership to act is to sort of just step back, defer to the experts and have good mes messaging. And, and I think that those are very easy skills that the vast majority of people would be absolutely fine doing. Uh, and Donald Trump happens to be awful at those things. I, I think that he's extremely bad at letting someone else take the wheel at, you know, letting them have airtime instead of him. And I think he's extraordinarily bad at offering, you know, measured, uh, credible messaging. Uh, and so I, I guess I would have loved to see all of this happen again with someone who was better at messaging, who, you know, didn't turn all of these things into uh, political footballs. And, you know, part of my piece and the piece that I think made people the angriest, I, I do think that, you know, absolutely clinging to outdoor masking as enthusiastically as people have, and, you know, as angry as people got with me, I think that there is a political element to that of some kind. I think that, you know, I don't want to draw a false equivalency, but I think that Trump basically turning the coronavirus into, you know, this uh, silly pussy thing that liberals were getting overexcited about uh, was horrible messaging, turning masks into this wedge issue, having people refuse to wear them. I think that the other side of that is people saying, oh, no, you absolutely have to wear them in all situations, no matter what, for the rest of our lives. I think that people kind of dug their heels in on both sides. Uh, and that that's, you know, very frustrating. I think that we could have used more measured, scientifically credible messaging, and that that includes, you know, letting people know what some of the ambiguities were uh, early on, as opposed to, you know, I think overstating certain things uh, the way that we saw it early in the pandemic. 
I mean, I, I, over the summer, I remember I drove from New York to uh, the West Coast and, you know, you go through, I went through like eight red states and then suddenly I had New Mexico. I mean, I went from Texas to New Mexico and Texas. I walked in to go get food to go at this restaurant. And this is over the summer. We've probably seen this a ton of times since then. And there were maybe 150 people in there. I walked in for two seconds in this stuffed Mexican restaurant, like like packed, no masks on, walked. I was like, hmm not happening, not happening here. Walked out, like got a thing at a Starbucks to go and just like, you know, lived at Starbucks for three days in a row. Then I went to New Mexico and it was mind boggling because everybody I saw on the street was wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And the dichotomy was just like, <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to like, they would like, they walk towards you and then they distance by like 10 feet. I'm like, you're not getting it from me. We have masks on and you're 10 feet away and it's the summertime. But I think that's a perfect indication of just the, the political, um, it was, it was, it was, it literally like my brain couldn't wrap my head around like lunchtime and dinner time and like the two cultures there. Um, Jordan. Uh, okay. So, so, so what's your take on like, how do we, how do we move forward in this incredibly partisan environment, this partisan media environment, a, me a media environment that is, it's not just partisan, it is overwhelmingly, you know, owned by uh, versions of the right and capital. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, more shows like this. <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, there's, 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 like, financial and capitalism reasons there. Like, OANN is, uh, and Newsmax are carried on cable, and they don't make money uh, for cable, and they should not be. They should be optional. It's the sort of thing. I mean, there's talk radio that is dominated by conservatives across the country. And, you know, people uh, listen to that as they drive further and further away to the things they have to do as rural, rural America gets hollowed out. I mean, there's all these structural things that, you know, right wing takes advantage of. We talk about in Florida, you know, the, the big Latino or the big Spanish language radio stations are now very right wing, right? And so these things keep happening and it's not an accident, but it's not just a matter of like what our politicians are saying. It's what everyone around them is saying. And Joe Rogan's the most popular, pot he's, remarkably boring but um the fear factor guy you know telling even though he had people eat horse rectums on his show you know telling you not to wear a mask like that's influential because people are listening to him and so i think it's a matter of not just having our politicians say the right things uh because a lot of times we don't know like i was watching my groceries right at the beginning of uh the pandemic as people are like yeah you know take you know take care of your food and get wipe everything down people were in like hazmat suits in new york and so like so there was bad messaging because we didn't know for sure but i think it's a matter of like there needs to be, uh, you know, I don't say it to make, you don't want to make like progressivism cooler or something, you know, you don't want to make it like much more macho, but there's an element of uh, Americans love their quote unquote freedom and being told to wear a mask is, a, you know, a fight against that. You know, that is, uh, I guess people don't like being told what to do. And so I think it's a matter of the structural disadvantages in terms of media and that needs to be figured out. And I think it's a matter of trying to figure out how do you message these things in a way that, um, you know, Maybe you need different messengers that are outside of politics, but message, message them in a way that's not like, you need to do this, wag your finger, yada, yada, at people. You know, I think like, I'm one of those people that would say like, you should wear a mask, you know, don't be a dipshit. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that on there. But, um, <laughs> but I think, you know, there's the people that kind of reject that. And I think that, you know, it's, it is a messaging problem, but it's also a lot of structural problems as well. Listen, the mask just gets in the way of your ability to stuff your face with meat all day. Because if you're a real man, if you are stuffing your face with beer that somehow has meat in it, I don't really understand that whole like plant-based beer thing. Like, think, like all beer plant-based. Whether it's a mask or it's a gun, it's, you know, the last yeah. messages of freedom where people are just being beaten down by capitalism, right? Like yeah. you can't tell me what to do. People like, there's not the, we don't have the four freedoms that Roosevelt says we have, you know, like that stuff where Roosevelt said we should have had, whether it's making money or having a safe, you know, home or environment or not being shot up in a store. This is like the last vestige, you know, to say, I have some independence over my life. I can carry a gun. I can, yeah. Uh, I can eat a taco with my, you know, without anything on my face. You know, that if is- If you're white. Right. Let's just be course. very clear. Yeah, it's, it's if you're a white clear. man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about white men is what I'm talking yes. about. The Judeo-Christian world, yeah. uh, right. as, Rick as uh, Rick Santorum said, yeah, yes. Exactly, yeah, so true. <laughs> um, so I think like, that's also a big problem, right? Like there's, this is sold as freedom. And technically I guess it's a kind of freedom, but it's because there's nothing else, you know? Like um, if, I'm not saying that it would solve hatred. I'm not saying it would solve ignorance, but I'm saying that like, if things were a bit more equal, there's equity in the world and like working people were not just being you know, ground into dust all the time. They may not see wearing a mask as the biggest offense because they'd have other things in their lives. Fair enough. It's, um, 
makes sense. It used to be guns and, and meat, and now it's, it's masks. Guns, meat, and masks. That's it. That's the new, the, the new white man uh, emblem. It's, 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 it's Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan, and who's the third one? Who's the third? Uh, there's got to be a third guy. Oh, Jordan Peterson, obviously. And his, his like daughter in the background. All right, Natalie Shore, uh, Jordan Zacharin, sorry we went over today. It was like very long show. Very grateful for your time and for your generosity. And next week, let's talk about the hearings. If you're down, um, if you're open, obviously, we want to talk about the hearings that are happening in terms of the algorithm specifically, like how YouTube and all these tech companies are specifically pushing forward right-wing male-generated white content and like how that disrupts our democracy in the way that Jordan just expressed. So stick around, get to watch that next week. All right, everybody, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, we have some shout outs. Ian Kinzel says, obligatory, obligatory market incentive for having Natalie Schur on the show. Look at that. We got some love because of Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. <laughs> Prairie Fire Kowalski sends some love. Uh, culture sculpture. I mean, he takes CBD tincture at night and Red Bull in the morning. I don't take Red Bull. I do, I do a... Um, usually some sort of cold brew. Uh, that's what I take, but it is four o'clock here. So it is not morning. I'll just say that. This is just normal no me. Shout out to everyone in the live chats. You guys have been amazing. Huge thank you to all of our moderators. You guys are killing those algorithms. Uh, the system that is just not set up for leftists, as you know too well. We can't do this without you. And for fighting off those trolls because they are coming at us. Uh, it's been a fun thing to watch. I don't always watch. I haven't been checking Twitter as much lately, but today I woke up to one and I was like, okay, that's going to happen on YouTube later. So we are so grateful to you. You make this space <laughs> safe. Okay. This is a leftist safe space. So thank you for making it safer for all of us. And uh, yeah, so tomorrow we will see you at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on YouTube and on Twitch as well. And thank you especially to our patrons. Go to patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. Please become a patron. It's how we pay for our show. It's how our team survives. It's how everything happens. It's how the lights are on. It's how we pay for Wi-Fi. It's how my computer stays going. It's how Dorsey, you know, keeps going. It's that, that, That's how it happens. Patreon.com slash the Nomi Key Show. We will see you tomorrow. Stay in solidarity. The No Mickey Show.